Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, Matthew 26, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew, and Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. Now, we're near the end of the ministry, because when I say ministry, his time on earth at this time, and we're seeing this morning the last night before he dies. It's now Passover, and Jesus has his disciples, and they're going to eat the Passover meal, and, but the disciples don't realize it, but this will be the last night they are with him before he goes to the cross. At this meal, Jesus does something something that was really kind of special. The bread and the cup of the Passover meal actually become representative of the body and the blood of Jesus. And this is what we call the Lord's Supper. And when you think about the Lord's Supper, this is uh, basically something that Jesus Christ gave to us. And Jesus tells his disciples that his blood is shed uh, for the blood of the new covenant, that his death is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. And so as we look at our passage this morning, I think there'll be some great things that we'll see. Uh, when I was in college, I went to a small school called Delta State, and we never flew anywhere for a football game. We, we drove in buses. But one year, we flew to Quantico, Virginia to play the Quantico, Virginia uh, football team. And, some, and what was amazing, so that was the Marines, and some of those guys, were at the quarterback that faced us that day had actually been a pro quarterback, got through playing pro football, and then went and... Uh, played for Quantico, Virginia. So it was a big day for us. But what was so special is we went out early and we went to uh, uh, the, the memorials. We saw the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial. We saw the grave of President Kennedy. Uh, we saw all these memorials and we realized that it's so special that America has these things that we can remember by. I can still remember that just, just recently in 2019, the Vietnam Wall came through here and was at, on our campus, or at least a replica of it, and we could see all that. Memorials help us to remember things. When we think about the church and the body of Christ, we realize that Jesus Christ has given to us a memorial, and that is to help us to remember something that he did. This memorial, we call it the Lord's Supper. It is the body of Christ is where Jesus basically said, this bread represents my body and this cup, this juice represents my blood. And so really from that night on, from from what they would call the Passover meal from that time on, we call it the Lord's Supper. We call it Eucharist, which means I give thanks. We call it communion. It's got a lot of different names. Well, this morning's passage, Jesus' disciples are eating what we say, what they say, Last Supper or the Passover meal, and Jesus makes a change. And for those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, we think of the Lord's Supper. And you remember Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. And we'll see it as we can go this morning. Well, we're in the final week of Jesus' life on this earth. There have been many things happened. He has entered Jerusalem. He cleansed the temple. He taught daily. The religious leaders met together and they wanted to, to kill him. Uh, but they said, let's don't kill him during the feast time because we don't want a, a big riot to happen. And we saw actually that an amazing thing happened that one of the disciples went and betrayed Jesus. And so last week, we saw two major events. We saw a woman who was who's Mary anointed the body of Jesus for his burial. We saw that. They were at the home of Simon the leper, which was in um, Bethany. And she comes in, breaks this jar, very expensive, and pours it over his head and feet. And then at the same time last week, we saw Judas went to the religious leaders and said, how much will you give me? What will you give me to betray him, to hand him over to you? And they gave him about $120. And so 
He's going to betray Jesus. If you look at Matthew 26, verse 16, this is where we stopped last week. Notice it says, from, from then on, he, Judas, began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. That's his plan, to betray Jesus. We, we have, we've raised the question because Judas was one of the 12. Uh, he, best we can tell, we can tell from Scripture, he has never trusted in Jesus as Savior. Why in the world would he betray Jesus? We realize that probably... He thought Jesus was going to be the king and rule and he'd have a great position. And Jesus doesn't look like a king now. In fact, we know the first time Jesus came to die and the second time he comes to rule, Judas didn't understand that. So Judas, I think, switched over and said, I'm going to be on what, I, what he thought was the winning side. So we're going to see all that. Let me break down the passage for you. We're going to see what we call preparation of the Passover, getting ready. And then Jesus tells of his betrayal. Then Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And then we see singing and leaving. And so this is what happened. So let me remind you about the Passover and the feast and everything that's going on. The Passover was on the 14th day of the first month, the first month of Nisan for the Jewish people. That's around March or April. And that it started on the 14th. That was Passover. And 15th through the 21st was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But sometimes... They put the whole thing together. Sometimes they would say, now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and they meant both Passover and Unleavened Bread. Sometimes they said them both. If you notice in Mark 14, it says, now the Passover and Unleavened Bread were two days away. So they sometimes put the whole thing together. And so we'll talk more about what goes on in just a few minutes. So notice verse 17. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, which was actually Passover, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Now, these 12 people had been with Jesus for three, three and a half years. They had eaten Passovers before because there's one every year. This is maybe the third or fourth one that he's going to eat with them. And they come to him and they say to him, where do you want to eat this? Because see, most people ate it in their homes. And sometimes if they were small families, they would get two families to come together because they would kill a lamb and they would eat it. And people who did, Jesus lived, basically, his ministry was in Capernaum. This is in Jerusalem. So there's no house there or anything. And so the disciples are basically saying, where are we going to eat the Passover meal? And so it says, where do you want us to prepare for you the place to meet the Passover? Now, they had to prepare it. You know why? Because they had a lamb, and they had different fruit, and they had spices, and they had vinegar, and they had bitter herbs. They had bread, and they had wine. They had to get all that together for them to eat the Passover meal. So notice what Jesus says in verse 18. He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. He said, go into the town, find this man, and, and then go, basically go to his house or, and say, uh, this, we, we're supposed to eat the Passover at your place. Basically, we find out that there was a house that had an upper room, a big upper room, and that's where they had the, the meal. That's why we often call it the upper room discourse or the upper room meal. Now, here's the question that, that we might say. The place is crawling with people. I mean, everybody's come to Jerusalem for the feast. And where Jerusalem might have as many as two hundred to 300,000 people, they may have close to 800,000 people there at this time. It's just packed. Jews from all over have come. How are you going to find this man? How are you going to find this man? Because he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. I'm to keep the Passover at your house. Well, here's what we find out from the Gospel of Mark. It says, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. 
And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room in which I will eat the Passover with my disciples? Let me tell you, you might say, well, still it's going to be hard to narrow it down. Not really, because men normally did not carry water pitchers. The women went and got the water. So when they came into the town and a guy was walking toward them with a water pitcher, they said, that's the guy. And so they followed him there. They went up and said, where can we do this? Where do we eat the Passover meal? Now, I want you to notice something. This verse says, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. A way of saying that is my time is at hand. I want you to understand, we haven't seen it in the Gospel of Matthew, but in the Gospel of John... Five or six times Jesus says, my time is not at hand. My time is not ready. My time is not ready. Even when Mary, his, his mother came to him and wanted him to, to change, basically he changed the water to wine. If you remember his first miracle, when she said to him, they've ran out of wine, he said, my time is not at hand. And so now he says, my time is at hand. It's time. It's time. See, the first time he came to die, and the second time he comes to rule. So look what happened in verse 19. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover, did exactly what they said. Now, let me help you to understand something, because the next verse says, Now, when the evening came, Jesus reclined at the table. For the Jewish calendar, the day begins in the evening. And what I mean by that, it, like at 6 o'clock tonight, would be the next day. And so it, when, when the Jewish people got ready, when Jesus and his disciples go into an upper room, it has now become the 14th day of the first month. It is night. Night comes first, and then the next daytime is the 14th of the day. And they got that from God, because if you remember back in Genesis, it says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So the evening comes first. That's how Jesus could eat the Passover meal on the 14th in the evening and be crucified on the 14th during the day, because that's how the day works. So Jesus is meeting with his disciples in the evening of the 14th, that's Passover. He will be crucified on the day of the Passover, which is the next day. So that's what happens. So it says, and when the evening came... Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 disciples. Now, I've got a picture for you. It's not a very good picture. I looked everywhere, and this is the only one I could find, and whoever had this picture made a copy out of a book, but this is sort of a picture of what it would look like if they were eating. Now, remember, they didn't sit at a big table like the famous picture is. They usually had a very small little table or table like that, and they reclined. They laid out like that, and they ate. Most of the time they laid on their left side and reached with their right hand to eat. Now the best that we can tell, and I'll show you in just a minute, this is Jesus right here. He's kind of the head. Everybody else is around. To the, to the right of Jesus is John. He's the youngest one. That's a great seat, by the way. Everybody would like to sit there. And on the other side is Judas. And that's actually, in a meal, that would be guest of honor. So when they all came in, Judas is to the left of Jesus. That's the place of honor. There's Jesus. There's John. And best we can tell, we're just going to kind of look over on the other side's Peter. And, and so that's, and we'll see that in just a second. So I'll put this down for you. John was at Christ's right. Judas was at his left. We'll see that as we go through the passage. In fact, if you look at all four Gospels, it is very clear that Judas is right beside Jesus here, and John is right beside Jesus here. 
And so that's what we're going to see. So look what it says. And they recline, And when the evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 disciples. And so there they are. And uh, by the way, Luke tells us this, that Luke said, Jesus had said, which not in this one, but Jesus says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Now remember, they've already had two or three Passovers with him. This is the last one. And the reason he's eagerly desired it, he's fixing to make a change. He's going to take what they would know as Passover, and it's going to be changed to what we call the Lord's Supper. So look what happens while they're eating. We're going to see two big things, two revelations. One, there's going to be betrayal, and the other is the new covenant. So let's look at the betrayal. During this meal, look at verse 21. And as they were eating, he said, Truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. Now, before we get into that, I want you to understand. They got in there, they're all down, and then Jesus gets up. It's not found in the Gospel of Matthew, but it's found in the Gospel of John. Jesus got up, got a bowl, got water in it, and he's washing all their feet. And he comes around, and remember, he comes all the way around to Peter, and Peter says, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, yeah. He says, no, no, I'm not going to let you wash my feet. He says, if I don't wash your feet... You have no part with me. He said, well, then wash me all over. He said, no, you don't need to be washed all over. You're already saved. This is a fellowship aspect. This is a fellowship aspect. So Jesus is doing this. Now he's sit back down or laid back down, as we might say, because notice they're reclining at the table. And while they were eating, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One of you. It was a shock. I mean, I guarantee you that nobody there said, oh, yeah, it's Judas. Nobody, nobody did that. In fact, they all said something like, I hope it's not me. Surely it's not me, is it? Because it's a shock that one of them would betray him. Being, look at verse 22, being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, surely not I, Lord. And so their response was they were grieved and distressed, and they would say to him, surely it's not me. It's not me, is it? And by the way, the way the Greek is written, it, it expects a negative answer. It's not me, is it? You know it's not me. I'm expecting, you're expecting Jesus to say, no, it's not you. And that's what they would say. It's not me, is it? And, and so they were deeply grieved, and they were saying to the Lord, it's not me, is it? It's not me. And so while they're there, if you remember, uh, there, there's going to be a question asked, and I'm going to put the picture back up again, and I'm going to read to you from John. There's, you don't have to turn there. This is John chapter 13, and I want you to watch what happens, or you can watch up on the screen. But in John chapter 13, Jesus says, this is John chapter 13, verse 21, he says, truly one of you will betray me, and the disciples were all at a loss. There was one reclining on Jesus' bosom. That's John. Now, what do you mean? Jesus is like this, laid out this way, eating. John is right there like this. So John rolls back to say something to Jesus. In that picture, he's rolling back to say something. Why? Because Peter is going to look over at John and say, ask him who it is. That's what he's going to notice. Let me read it to you. There was one reclining on Jesus' bosom, the one Jesus loved. That's John. Simon Peter gestured to him and said, Tell, tell us to tell him who he is he talking about. So John rolled back, leaned back on Jesus' bosom and said, Lord, who is it? So they want to know who it is. So go back, or I'm back, back at Matthew, and they said, it's not me, it's not me, is it? And he said to them in verse 23, he who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is one who betrayed me. Now, I want you to understand that 
There's food all over the place, and they all dip in there. And by the way, it's past tense. He didn't say who will dip his hand because they could see somebody dip, but they've already all dipped. And so he doesn't really tell them exactly who it is. And so it's pretty powerful. They, they, but Jesus says something powerful in verse 24. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written to him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he'd never been born. Now we're going to see what I like to call, we're going to see the sovereign plan of God and the will of man as they go together. The sovereign plan of God is that Jesus is going to be crucified. Jesus is going to give his life. He's going to lay down his life. He's going to die. But the the will of man is that there's going to be one of them betray him. And Jesus said, the plan is going to go just as it is written, just as the scripture says, but woe to the man who betrays. Because what we have to realize, that man is responsible for his actions. And everything you do, you're accountable to God for it. And yet, all of it fits in his sovereign plan. He says he's going to be going as is written. Isaiah 53 said he would be bruised, he would be pierced, he'd be crushed, he'd be put to death. Jesus says it's going to happen just as the scripture says. You remember five times in the gospel of Matthew, we have seen Jesus say, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'll be handed over to the Gentiles, I'll be put to death, and then I will rise again. He's already told them that five times. And he says it's going to happen just as the scripture says, and Isaiah said, he would be crushed and bruised and wounded. And then it, and, it, and, and of course put to death. But it says, it, but, the, but the man, woe to the guy who betrayed him. It had been better if that guy wasn't even born. The truth is this, God's sovereign plan will be worked out, but man is also responsible for his actions. Let me, let me give you an example. The, the word of God says don't lie, right? But you lie. I lie. Sometimes we lie. We it, in the sovereign plan of God, your lying fits in there, but God didn't make you lie. God is so great. Oh, the depths of the riches, boast of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his ways, and his judgments pass finding out. Romans 11. It's just amazing. We can't understand how that God is going to work out his plan, and yet each one of us are accountable. Listen, every one of us, if, if you just said to God, will I be in church at 9.13, and he said, yeah, you'll be there. But you chose to come here. You made a decision to come here. He didn't make you come here, but in his sovereign plan, you're here. So you better listen. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, the bottom line is that's how it works. And God, God's wisdom is beyond what we could comprehend. Jesus said, I'm going to be betrayed, but woe to the guy who betrays me. Now watch this, because you may not have caught this. Listen. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Now, there's something that you may or may not have noticed. Judas calls Jesus what? Rabbi. Everybody else has called him what? Lord. If you look back, they said, Surely it's not me. Surely not I, Lord. But when Judas says it, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He calls him teacher. He doesn't call him Lord. Let me just remind you of something. Do you think Judas thinks that Jesus doesn't know? I mean, he's watched Jesus. Jesus knows everything. He's watched Jesus know people's thoughts. He's watched Jesus heal people. He's watched Jesus walk on the water. He said, do you think, you know, this is what sin does. Sin blinds us. Judas thinks Jesus will not know. Of course he knows. And Judas thinks that the others will never find out. They will. They will before the night is over. They're going to find out he's a traitor. They're going to find out all these different things. 
And that's what sin does to us. We, when we sin, we, we're blinded. We think, okay, I'm going to do this, but God won't really know. Or he won't really care. Or he's not really watching. And then we think, nobody else will ever know. This is just me. And the truth is, sin blinds you. God knows everything, and eventually it's going to be found out. So look what Jesus says. He says, you have said it yourself. By the way, it's, it's very emphatic in the Greek. He says, you have said it yourself. He said, it's not me, is it, really? And he went, you said it. It is you. From the other Gospels, Judas, right then, gets up and leaves. Can't tell it in this one. And he leaves. And nobody thought, hmm, he's the betrayer. That's why he's leaving. No, they didn't even think that at all. He got up and they said, maybe he's going to get some more food or maybe he's going to go give something to the poor. They had no idea why Judas left. One of the other Gospels, Jesus actually said, do what your plan is. He got up and left. And we said that the revelation so far is the betrayal. And there's a second revelation, and that's the new covenant. That's the new covenant. We see the change where Jesus changes what we call Passover to be the Lord's Supper. I want you to see this. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then when he'd taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant, or the covenant which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sin. So I want you to understand the Passover becomes the Lord's Supper. Now, let me give you a little background. If you remember, the Jewish people were in bondage in Egypt. God came to them to deliver them from Egypt, and he said, I want you to get a lamb and kill it, put the blood on the door, and when I come through at midnight, I'm going to kill every firstborn son, except when I see the blood on the door, I will pass over. And so it's called the Passover, and there's the blood on the door, and the Jewish people, uh, they, they put the blood on the door, they believed God, it was counted to them for righteousness, and... They, they were able to come out of Egypt. From that point on, every 14th day of the first month of Nisan, they celebrated Passover, and they would go get a lamb, and they would eat it, and they had a special meal, and um, that was the meal had some bread in it. The meal, by the way, it had four cups. They drank four different cups of wine. They had uh, egg and bitter herbs and all kind of different things. We don't have time to, to go over that, but let me, let me uh, tell you something. They started off... And, and the youngest one there, which would be John, which would be the one right there by Jesus, is supposed to ask the question, why is this night different than any other night? And then the person who would be teaching would be Jesus, and he teaches. And they taught, and they would also sometimes sing Psalm 113, Psalm 114. They would drink a cup, then they would do something else, and then they would drink a second cup. After the second cup, they ate the full meal. After they ate the full meal, they drank the third cup, and then they were supposed to drink the fourth cup. Now, after the meal, notice what it says, and while they were eating, this is after the big meal, and one of the other gospels actually says, now after the meal, Jesus did this. So this is now the third thing, and look what it says. After, after, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. This is the bread. This is the ble- the blessing would be, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe who brings forth bread from the earth. They would always sing that. And Jesus said, see this bread? This is my body. This represents me. 
And, and Jesus is going to die. Jesus Christ became a person. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when you think of the bread, and we're going to talk about it in just a second, when you think of the bread, it represents the body of Jesus Christ. And notice, when he had given, then he had taken a cup. This is, by the way, this is the third cup. He gave thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink from it. But this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many. Now, this is the third cup, and this is a cup of blessing. And it was actually called the cup of thanksgiving and blessing. Now, notice it was the cup of blessing, giving thanks. The Greek word is eucharisto. We get the word eucharist from it. He actually said, this is the cup we give thanks. Because what he says is, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many. This is the blood of the covenant. The blood of the new covenant is what the gospel of Luke says. This is the covenant found in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, that God makes a new covenant with the nation of Israel where there's the payment for sin and the forgiveness of sin. Now, in this passage, he mentions forgiveness. Notice, for the blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, he doesn't go into detail here, but we need to understand something. We need to understand there's a difference between payment for sin and forgiveness of sin. Payment for sin comes when Jesus dies on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the sins of the entire world. First John 2, 2, he's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So when Jesus died on the cross, every sin of every human being, past, present, and future has been paid for. That's payment of sin. Forgiveness of sin is different. Forgiveness of sin comes by faith. If you notice Acts 10.43, of him, Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, the name of Jesus, everyone who believes in him by faith receives forgiveness of sins. Whoever believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins. So I want you to understand that to get the payment of sin, everybody's already got that. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. But we need forgiveness of sin, and forgiveness of sin comes by faith. Look at Acts 13, 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. So understand there's a difference between forgiveness of sin and payment for sin. Every human being who lives, existed for all time, has the payment for sin because Jesus died on the cross and paid for the sin of the entire world. To have eternal life and salvation, you need forgiveness of sins, and that comes by faith. Whoever believes has forgiveness of sins. The story of the Bible is the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. So think about this. When we take the Lord's Supper, we remember Jesus' death and resurrection for the payment of sin and by faith, the forgiveness of sins. The Lord's Supper is not a sacrifice it is a memorial for us to remember what he has done.